humans, hello humans, hello humans of the world. It is me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio on lovely AM 950. And guess what? You're hearing me live. I am live. It's one of my rare, rare, rare live shows. Happy Saturday to you. I can say that to you. It rained last night in Minnesota. I, you know, you know, and now you know that it is live. And um, we have a great show. So you're going to get the opportunity, which you don't ordinarily do, to call in <laughs> and talk to me. I mean, we've got the big interview first. I'm going to do some things out of order. We're doing the big interview first. Um, and then I'm going to highlight uh, a, a, a nonprofit that's doing things. But I would love to hear from my listeners. I mean, all six of you. It would be really great if one or two of you called in so that we could talk. I just, you know, I, I just love talking to my listeners. Okay. The theme for our show today All right. Now, remember, this show, I'm a hopeless idealist. You know that. The show's about idealism and idealism and idealists, people trying to change the world, make the world better. The theme for today is helping hands. Okay? Either some human who's ever helped you or maybe an organization has helped you or something else has helped you at a time of need or in a way to guide you or in a way to make a difference in your life. So that is our theme. And when we have the opportunity to take calls, which will be after the big interview, um, I would love to hear from you. How has someone or something helped you? Okay, there you go. All right, now for the big interview, believe it or not, I don't have one person. I have two people, both two people on separate lines to talk about the role of mentoring and how through life um, the existence of somebody who comes along can make a difference in your life. So on the line I have um, Marcus Pope, who is um, the vice president of Youth Prize, which is an amazing nonprofit which we will talk about. Uh, Marcus grew up in uh, St. Paul's Frogtown neighborhood. Uh, he, he, in the past, has worked with the Haley Q, Q. Brown Center, where I've actually worked with them and trained, on the Science Museum of Minnesota. He is also uh, an, an award winner. He got the St. Paul Business Journal's 40 Under 40 Award last year. He has a degree, um, an undergraduate degree in sociology, youth studies, and African-American studies from the U, and a master's degree from the U in education. Also on the line is Dan Haugen. Uh, he, he holds a Ph.D. in social work and spent 40 years in the mental health field. He served as a health consultant, excuse me, health care, social services. Um, he served in that, in that field and, in high, and he was a higher education administrator and a college instructor and clinician, and now he is a community volunteer and advocate. And the thing to know is there's a few decades difference in age between Marcus and Dan. Marcus and Dan, you are hopefully on the line. Uh, uh, welcome to Ellie 2.0 Radio. Are, are both of you there? Yes, we are, Ellie. Okay, Marcus, are you there? Yes. Okay. I'm here. Thanks for having us. Okay. I'm thrilled. I, I'll tell you, uh, both of you, I've never done a two-way uh, big interview over the phone before, so this is a new experience for me. So um, let's get started, and let's talk um, about why I have you on the line. I mean, this began, okay, with um, Dan actually reaching out to me via a LinkedIn post about, I don't know, two or three, four weeks ago, wanting me to know about Youth Prize. 
and uh, and and whether you know I would have some interest in 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 speaking about it or getting to know it, and then from there, what has migrated is this thing that Marcus, you and I talked this week, where Marcus, you said, Ellie, I think it's really important to talk about how Dan has showed up in my life and the the difference that he's helped make in your life. And, and Dan, I know that Marcus has made a difference in your life. Marcus, why don't you begin? Tell us about this relationship that you have with Dan, and then we'll get to talk about what Youth Prize does. Wonderful. Thanks, Ellie. Thanks for having us on this morning. And yes, Dan has been a great mentor in my life. I met Dan almost about around 20 years ago as a young person working, seeking a job, seeking employment in the nonprofit sector. And you know, Dan gave me a really great opportunity when he was the president and executive director of the Neighborhood Involvement Program, a healthcare and social service agency. So I got to direct our the programs focused on youth and family in North and South Minneapolis. And it was truly a great opportunity. Dan is someone who had great leadership roles as a young person. And I think he saw potential in me and embraced that, that um, the fact that I could be a leader as well. And um, we'll get to talk about Youth Prize, and you know I'm transitioning now to become the incoming president at Youth Prize. Wonderful. And Dan told me something I'll never forget it. We were in the basement of the Neighborhood Involvement Program, and he said to me, "Marcus, you can do my job." And as a young, you know, professional African American professional, to hear that from him was was inspiring. It was motivating, and it gave me hope about the possibilities. And you know, I don't know if people, your callers, know the landscape in terms of leaders of color uh, in the nonprofit sector. But at that time, leaders of color, black leaders, were really underrepresented uh, sure. in leadership roles in the nonprofit sector. And still today, we have underrepresentation in terms of leaders, leaders of color. And so to have someone at such a young age being so green, have so much faith and confidence in you, um, really... P- really is huge. And just being able to get the opportunity, many people don't get the opportunity. Um, but I got the opportunity and um, Dan has been in my life ever since. We both left the Neighborhood Involvement Program in 2006, I think. And we stayed in touch. We stayed con- connected and he, he's always been in my corner. And it was so exciting when he retired as president from the, effort, the Adler Graduate School uh, our board decided, wanted to bring him on. We were looking for someone with great leadership experience in the nonprofit sector. And he agreed to join our board. And we've been very excited ever since. And it's great as I kind of ascend to this new leadership role to really still have him in my corner providing support and also accountability. And accountability from someone that you trust and know and someone that you know who's, who's been in your shoes as a leader of nonprofits. Marcus, can can we go back to that basement conversation just real quickly? How how sure. how old were you, and how long did you know Dan when he said to you, Marcus, you've got the, you've got what it takes to do this job? So I was about twenty two years old when he <laughs> when he told me that, um, and you know I probably would have made it through a role like that, but you know. Knowing what I know now, I feel like I wasn't ready. But to have him say that and to have that level of confidence, you know, I feel ready now as I um, as I kind of get ready for this leadership role, knowing that there's still things I need to learn and still support right. that's necessary to make to be successful. 
Um, but that's huge. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Marcus. Dan. So, Dan, yeah. you, you must be sitting here, and I've got to believe that your heart is bursting a little bit as you hear your yeah. protege talk about you. Tell us, tell us about you investing. This really is what you you've done. And I'm, I'm sure Marcus is not the only human you've invested in, but tell us about investing in Marcus and why. Um, well, Ellie, thank you. I, I actually do get a little choked up when, when Marcus says those kinds of things. Um, you know, first of all, Marcus knows this. I love him like a brother and, and I'm 66 years old. Marcus is about 40 uh, or 41 I learn something from Marcus every time I'm with him. So the fact is, um, Marcus is a generational leader. And frankly, when I met him when I was about, well, when he was about 20, um, you would have had to be um, really lacking in, in, in intelligence to not see immediately what Marcus possessed as far as gifts. Um, I actually think that... that um, if, if anything, uh, it's been a two-way street for the two of us. Uh, like I say, I learned something every time I'm with Marcus, a uh, very inspirational leader. You know, there's um, another uh, thing to add on to your, your in- introduction of Marcus. Not only was he named one of the 40 under 40 to watch about a year ago, so too is Youth Prize's chairperson. Um, and we're in the process of talking with a prospective board member who was in one of those 40 under 42 from that same group of, of folks. We also we also have a current president uh, by the name of Wookie Wea, who is has been named one of 50 over 50 to watch. So <laughs> the fact the fact is it's a it's a it's a really blessed organization. The leadership is really really solid, and um, and Marcus is um, is someone that. You know, if I've contributed anything, it's facilitated maybe uh, uh, an initial pathway. Uh, it's been my honor to come back as a board member and spend more time with Marcus. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Youth Prize has a bright future because of people like Marcus and the folks that he works with, frankly. so. All right. Well, so we're going to have to take a break here in a second. Um, but, you know, when we come back... Two things I want to do. First, I want to talk. Um, I want to talk about the importance of mentoring to younger humans. Okay, and then secondly, I want to talk about Youth Prize. I want to, I want to make sure that you get an opportunity to talk about this fascinating organization. That Dan, I've got to tell you before you sent me that LinkedIn message, I had no no idea about existed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So, gentlemen, hang on the line. Uh, Listeners, we've been speaking with Dan Haugen and Marcus Pope, uh, both of whom are connected to Youth Prize, but more importantly, both of whom are connected to each else. I mean, each other. Um, Our theme here is about helping hands, mentors, or organizations. When we come back from our break, we'll continue with the big interview. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on Ellie 2.0 Radio. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail. Follow me on Twitter at Ellie Krug. We'll be back in a second.
Ellie 2.0 Radio, Ellie Krug here on lovely AM 950. Before we took our break, we were doing the big interview with Marcus Pope and Dan Haugen, um, mentor and mentee relationship, as well as they're both involved with Youth Prize, a wonderful nonprofit in the, uh, in the Twin Cities. Um, Marcus and uh, Dan, uh, very quickly, tell us about Youth Prize. What is it and what what is its function? I know that it has, I mean, it has an incredible budget and it's doing really great work. Um, one of you, go ahead. Sure. Thanks, Ellie. So Youth Prize, our mission is to increase equity with and for Minnesota's indigenous, low-income, and racially diverse youth. We take the with and for very seriously. Half of our board is comprised of young people between the ages of 16 and 25. And we seek to engage young people, given that's our mission, in everything we do. We believe that those who are impacted by the problem need to be involved in the decision-making from governance to evaluation um, to resource distribution. And our work is really based on three key assumptions. One is that there, we need to increase resources dedicated to addressing inequity and disparities in our community. And we've done that by, in 2020, we distributed over $8 million to programs, initiatives, and some directly to young people to address inequities in our community. Another assumption is that we need to increase knowledge and increase knowledge that centers the voices and perspectives of young people. So we do a lot of work with corporations and with government agencies to help incorporate young people in the design of solution strategies. And the third assumption is that we can do everything right. We can have well-resourced programs. We can have them implementing the best strategy based on the best knowledge and information. But there's still systemic and structural barriers that impact programs' ability to thrive and young people's abilities to thrive. So the third core area of our work is, is policy advocacy, advocating for change and working with systems to, uh, to promote certain refor- reforms that can address inequities in our community. Give us Dan, an, anything to add, please? Uh, Marcus, give us an example of, of how you've advocated for policy change to help young people. Sure. So in 2020, um, as you know, COVID-19 hit. And we learned early on that young people were the first to be laid off, and they were also concentrated in the industries hardest impacted by COVID. And so when young people went to go to apply for unemployment benefits, they realized that there was a state law barring young people by the virtue of being enrolled in high school from Hmm. receiving unemployment benefits. Uh And so we had young people like Walter Katina, who was 14 and has been or who was actually around 17 and had been working since he was 14 years old. Both of his parents were deported. His mother was actually dealing with cancer as well as deportation. And he would often send money back to help his parents in addition to caring for himself. And he couldn't get unemployment benefits. And so he reached out to Youth Prize, and we did a whole bunch of work last year on that issue. We ended up filing a lawsuit against the state and won for denying federal benefits to young people. And this last year, about this year, about four weeks ago, the governor signed, we changed the state law. That ultimately barred young people from receiving benefits. Okay, Mark. And our legal victory, our legal victory, has led to over thirty million dollars being paid out to young people all across the state from diverse backgrounds um, 
in the form of unemployment benefits. So okay. that's one big example of how our policy advocacy has made a difference all for right. young people and for all of Minnesota. All right. So, Marcus, you don't know. You can't see me, okay? But I got the biggest smile across my face because you know the art of telling a story, okay? And you touched me even more when you shared that story about that young man, okay? And thank you. So now I, now I and my listeners have a much better idea of the impact of Youth Prize, okay? So thank you for that. Dan? Absolutely. Dan, what do you want to tell us about Youth Prize? And you, and I've got to believe, Dan, as you heard that story, you got a bigger smile, too, on your face. Well, you know what? And I, and I, and I know you as uh, an attorney, Ellie, uh, somebody that I admire in listening to your show, um, I can imagine the smile that you have on your face. But I actually want to follow up on, on both what Marcus uh, offered as a story and what you just commented on. Um, I cha- happen to our nominating committee and and going to be chairing our governance committee and in nominating which would vet persons for our board uh i'm so delighted by some of the young people i've met we truly do uh facilitate youth voice we hope that we are developing through our board the next generation of young leaders particularly young leaders of color uh, in minnesota and we are bringing on uh, young board members even as we speak um that that uh, have some pretty interesting stories. One uh, young man uh, is joining our board who uh, has served on St. Paul School Board already. Uh, one wow. young woman, uh, one young Somali woman who's coming onto our board is heading off for for Harvard in a few days, but started a nonprofit organization when she was a freshman in high school. Um, I was talking with another young woman who's joining our board, or presumably will be joining our board. The vote is being taken right now. Uh, who, when Marcus and I asked her what she dreams about, uh, she said, well, I dream about reinventing education and uh, reinventing curriculum design. And I said to her, I'll leave her name out of it right now, but I said, you know, I love it when a young person's dreams sound like threats. I said, I love the fact <laughs> that you're threatening us with changing education, how kids are developed, because that's important. So we really take Youth Prize uh, at Youth Prize Youth Voice seriously, and they are equal partners in our board. Uh, I, 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 I hope you trust me on that point. Well, that's just, you know, that is just fantastic. And, and uh, you know, it, it points to the, I mean, you know, younger people historically have lacked any kind of uh, clout, all right? They've lacked any kind of uh, political power of any type. I, I mean, just think of, you know, the Marjorie Stone Douglas students who, have yes. worked to change uh, gun, you know, gun legislation, and while I mean they're very inspiring and all of that, they they've come up against political machine, okay, where they've lacked power. But of course, they're very persistent. That's the great thing about young people; they're very, very persistent, and you know they can they have unboundless en- uh, amounts of energy at times. Uh, okay, now. Um, you know, we're coming up and we're going to have to take another break. And I'm going to extend you over to uh, at least the middle of the next segment. And then I'm going to have to start because uh, I know we've got I'm sure we've got some people that want to call in. And then I've got some other things to share about the show. When we come back, the two of you, I, please let's talk about the power of having someone in your life. OK. And how 
from our listeners, how can we get more people willing to mentor to other people, to younger people? Okay? So when we come back, I want to talk about that, all right? Okay, listeners, we've been speaking with um, uh, Marcus Pope and Dan Haugen, uh, both involved with Youth Prize, but also both involved in a mentor-mentee relationship. If you like what you hear, visit my website, lakrug.com. We will be back in a little bit right after this break. Thanks so very much. Back, LA 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Um, listen, we uh, we've doing doing a little bit of an extended big interview. I've got Marcus Pope and Dan Haugen both on the line. We've been talking about Youth Prize. We've been talking about the role of mentoring and ment- and mentoring relationships, mentee relationships. Okay, Marcus and Dan. Before we took our break, we're, uh, here's what I want to know. Okay, how do we get more people? Involved more people willing to be mentors to younger folks um, as mentees, and and particularly for people who come from backgrounds where maybe they have no one in their life that has ever told them that they were smart or that they were leaders or that they have the ability to go and do whatever it is they want. How do we how do we make that? work and how do we get that to happen? Marcus? I, well, I can start. I, I think, you know, we need to build a culture that embraces mentoring and really recognizes the power of mentoring. And I recognize the power of mentoring kind of, it goes back to my relationship I had with my grandmother. Uh-huh. My grandmother was born in 1914. My oldest grandparent was actually born in 1900. But my grandmother, who was born in 1914, she died in 2005, actually, when I was working for Dan at the Neighborhood Involvement Program. He probably remembers how tough that was for me. But she, because of her, she grew up in the Deep South. I grew up in St. Paul and Frogtown, but, you know, my family's from Mississippi. And she only had an eighth grade education. But what I learned from her, the wisdom I soaked up from her was tremendous. And she would even joke about how, you know, I have the education I have in part because what she instilled in our family across generations around the importance of education because she couldn't get it. But I recognize the power of folks with lived experience. And so when Dan was willing to be in my corner and support my leadership, I was willing to soak that up. So I think that's the first thing is just a culture where we embrace lived experience. Um, and we embrace people who have been in certain circumstances right. and what that can mean to help you um, help you mature and grow. One other thing that Dan talked about with mentoring is that mentoring, I just want to be clear, mentoring is best when it's reciprocal. The best mentoring relationships, every time you'll hear the mentor, yes. when the line between mentor and mentee is blurred, that's when the best work happens. And um, it's so funny. I'll tell you just a quick quick story. So I met someone about five years ago, used to be the president of Carleton, Carleton College in Northfield. And he said to me, you know, about a year ago, he said, Marcus, you know, I want you to be my mentor. Throughout my career, I've had mentors. And I was like, what? 
you must really need a mentor because you're going crazy with everything you've achieved that you want me to be a mentor. <laughs> but I think this idea that um, everybody has something to give and receive is an important component of mentoring as well. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Marcus. Dan, what do you have to add about how can we get more people? How can we get more Dan's out there willing to invest in young humans? Well, like you, Ellie, I'm an idealist. and I believe that there's a lot of people thirsting for those kinds of experiences. I I was raised by depression era uh, parents, uh, very selfless. And I was taught from a very, very early age, it is not about me. And I think that that's been reinforced educationally and professionally and, you know, through relationships like I have with Youth Prize and Marcus. I think that it's important for, for people to know where to go. And I, and I think that there are lots of places in the Twin Cities community to go. Um, uh, contact your local school district and find out what the opportunities are for tutoring and mentoring. Contact uh, United Way's what used to be called First Call for Help, which is a simple 211 number and talk to the person at the other end about volunteer opportunities in, in, in the community right. related to kids. I'm sure there'll be some information available to you. Look at, um, look at other social service organizations that you might be intimately familiar with. Call them, and especially those youth-serving organizations. How can I get involved? I just think that there are some very easy pathways to those experiences, but a lot of people wouldn't necessarily know that unless they were... were told about that simple pathway. Well, I would throw in big brothers, big sisters, um, because, you know, um, as I think I may have related to you, maybe both of you, I started out with a little sister back in 2012 when she was seven years old. Um, We're still together. Um, And in fact, this morning I got a text from her telling me that she had applied for two jobs. She had turned 16 last month. And um, and I texted her back. It said, way to go. Um, I'm proud of you. Now, um, last question for the two of you, and we've got only a few minutes here left. Um, what, uh, Marcus and Dan, what's made you an idealist? Now, Dan, you pretty much alluded to that already about the way your parents told you it's not all about you. Um, but anything else you'd like to add about what made yeah, you an idealist? I, I, I would just add that, um, again, between the experiences that I was blessed with uh, educationally and professionally, and uh, my ongoing family relationships, <laughs> if anything, that business about it not being about me has been reinforced. That's certainly been my religious tradition. And I have to say, without trying to sound gratuitous uh, to both you and Marcus, uh, Marcus and Youth Prize inspire me. Uh, they certainly are selfless as individuals and as an organization. And, and you, Ellie, I mean, I, I told you when we talked on the phone, I'm going to buy my granddaughter's uh, pink socks for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and your listeners may know what we're talking about. But the yeah. point is, the idealism that I try to remain open to, the growth orientation that I try to maintain, it makes, it, makes it possible to, re, to remain and hopefully build upon any idealism that I, I might no. have as a foundation. Thanks. Thanks for that. And thanks for doing the pink socks thing. That's, that was such a great, that's such a great organization. Marcus. What made you an idealist? So what makes me an idealist is my connection to young people. Young people are the ultimate idealists. They (laughs) hold the dreams. You know, if you think about every social movement, major social movement throughout history, young people have been at the forefront of the work. And so, you know, my goal at Youth Prize is to really support young people in creating the world that I think they can see that we're not able to see. Um, 
The other thing I'd like to just mention about just mentoring, there are so many informal opportunities to mentor and to be in someone's life. We did a research study around one of our initiatives focused on connecting young people to career pathways. And the secret sauce in the work that showed pro that facilitated progress on the part of young people was what Search Institute calls developmental relationships. So whenever you're in the life of a young person, there's an opportunity to facilitate healthy developmental relationships. I think about the work that Wokey has done with me over our founding president over the last 10 years, giving me opportunity. That was the facilitation of developmental relationships, of really strong relationships. Relationships really matter. And so you don't, you can go to Big Brothers, Big Sisters. There's great opportunity there. There are a number of nonprofits. If you don't have time or if you're not ready to, to do a former program, formal program, get in someone's life and be intentional about supporting their success and mm. their dream. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Okay. My, Marcus, you're, you're, again, you're making me smile and my heart is soaring. If people want to find out about Youth Prize, give them the website. What, where should they go? www.youthprize.org. Also, follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Reach out to me directly uh, via email. My information is on our website. Love to chat. Okay. All right. Well, that's great. All right. Well, listen, um, we need to go. I need to see if I've got any callers, and then I've got some other things for the show. But Marcus Pope and Dan Haugen, I have so enjoyed talking to the two of you. And I'm just really grateful for the work that you're doing out in the community. I'm really grateful for Youth Prize and really eager to learn more about them. And um, I just want to thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. Well, thank Thanks you for having us. It's been, my, it's been my pleasure, my privilege. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Well, Marcus and Dan, thanks so much. Go and have a good rest of your weekend. And listeners, um, this is your opportunity to call in. Our theme is Helping Hands. Who's helped you in the past or how have you helped someone else, either as a mentor or in some other way? Maybe an organization has helped you. Give us a call. I'd love to hear from you because I don't get to talk to my listeners very often. All six of you call in at 952-946-6205. I would love to talk to you on this um, kind of cloudy, which is not so bad, you know, uh, Saturday morning here in the Twin Cities. So give us a call at 952-946-6205. Love to hear from you. And uh, while we're waiting, okay, um, to see if anybody does call in, I do want to talk about, remember, our theme is Helping Hands. So I want to share with you about an organization I learned about over the weekend, or excuse me, this week. Now remember, we, you can't ignore what's going on in Afghanistan right now and the horror of all of that. And, um, uh, you know, that's worthy of multiple shows for us to talk about. But this week I heard about an organization named No One Left Behind. It's a charity and veteran service organization that was founded by a U.S. Army captain and his Afghan interpreter back in 2013. The interpreter had saved the captain's life, and he did everything he could. Now, this was before the evacuation, before the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban. 
Um, but he did everything he could to bring the interpreter over. You know, we, you've been hearing maybe this week about the special um, visa, immigrant visa program, the SIV uh, program. And back in 20, you know, 2008, 2010, 2011, he was able to bring the interpreter over. And they founded this organization uh, that, again, the name is No One Left Behind. They found, founded this organization to help other Afghans coming over to the United States. And um, if you want to find out more about the organization, just Google No One Left Behind. It sounds like a very great organization. But according to Wikipedia, as of March 2021, No One Left Behind has provided direct aid to more than 2,000 SIV families in over 90 cities. And what they do is they help they help get them settled. So they help provide rent. They provide vehicles, used vehicles for them. They provide them with money. They provide them with contacts and networks so that the interpreters and their families can get connected get and get settled in the United States. It is a wonderful, wonderful program, and it is about helping someone else. And so, you know, um, I, you know, with what is going on in Afghanistan right now, this is a wonderful thing to read about. And, um, and so I urge you to do that. Again, the, title, the name of the organization is No One Left Behind. Just Google it and you will find out more about it. And it has, I mean, it has a lot of big people who are on their board and who support it. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. I'd love to hear from you in the last segment, 952-946-6205. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug. Um, on LE 2.0 Radio, we got one segment left, and then uh, you know I'm gonna have to go. We won't know. We will no longer be live anymore. Um, when we come back, um, uh, we'll see who's called, if anyone, and then I've got some other things to talk about in my C block. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on LE 2.0 Radio. Thanks so very much. We're back. Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Listen, you've got like at this point uh, about seven minutes to give me a call because I'd love to hear from listeners at 952-946-6205. I'd love to hear from you if uh, we're talking. Remember, our theme is about helping hands. But if you want to talk with me about something else, maybe a past show or, hey, Ellie, did you know about this going on? Please do. I'd love to hear from you. While I'm waiting for you, and we'll see if anybody calls, um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about my work as an idealist, okay? And um, uh, about three weeks ago, I did a talk on critical race theory. Um, you've been hearing a lot about that, and I've talked about the, th- you know, the idea of critical race theory and that, that phrase – And I did a talk about three weeks ago. I teamed up with a University of Minnesota professor of uh, African-American studies, a man named um, Keith Mays, wonderful man. And we did a 90-minute talk about what really is critical race theory. 
and about strategies. Um, and this was a talk to diversity and inclusion professionals. We had more than 100 people on the Zoom. DNI, DEI professionals, diversity, equity, and inclusion professionals across the Twin Cities and some in Minnesota and other places in the country. They're all in on the Zoom because right now, critical race theory is being this phrase is being used by conservative people um, and outlets as a way to bash the opportunity for us to talk about America's past of of holding down anyone who did not have white skin color. And and they've been able they've been using it as a, as as a, you know, hammer to shut out any kind of like training around diversity and inclusion because you know of the fear that or the claim that this is going to make white color people feel guilty. And why do we have to talk about all of that stuff? America's turned a corner and, you know, and, and now it's really about the content of your character and its opportunities for everyone. Why do we want to go back through all that old stuff? I mean, that's what we're hearing. And so Keith and I did this talk on critical race theory. He's a historian, so he talked historically about how white color people have dominated um, people of other skin colors. And, you know, and when, you know, Black or brown people or Asian people, when they get rights, when they when they acquire rights, how gradually white color people pull those rights back away from them. We're seeing that right now with what's going on with voter suppression. I mean, literally, he talked about the historical aspect. I talked about really kind of call to action about what could people do, you know, and and. You know, among the things that I urged people to do was to, you know, get involved with your community. Go to your school board. Go where, you know, critical race theory is being bashed by audience members. Go and talk at the school board and tell them, hold on a second, you have, you know, that's not what critical race theory is all about. It's not about making people feel guilty. It's about us having a conversation about what has happened and the roots of it now where it shows up in a variety of ways. You know, for example, like disparities in education between white kids and black and, you know, kids of color. It's a it's a 30 percent, almost a 30 percent difference in terms of third grade reading ability between white kids and kids of color. I mean, that that's the legacy of white supremacy built into our education system. And even the Minnesota Department of Education will tell you that. Nonetheless, I spoke about that. I said, go to your school district. I gave some other action items that people could do. And um, and I'm telling you all of this because this week I got the evaluations of the talk and, you know, what audience members thought. And while it, uh, the talk that Keith and I gave was well-received and Keith, trust me, is way better at talking about this than I am, um, there were some comments about we didn't appreciate the anger. <laughs> and that was me, not Keith. The white color person was the one who was angry. And it made me feel bad. I'm like, oh, geez, Ellie, you know, you're about compassion. You're about trying to make the world a better place and, and about, you know, being human with everyone. But I did. I did pound the table a little bit because the attack on critical race theory, which is essentially the attack on talking about how America got to where it is, and by the way, where America presently is. We just don't want to talk about any of that stuff. Okay, I mean, there was a teacher in Tennessee fired for sharing Tanishi uh, Coates' article in the Atlantic magazine about the first white president, about Donald Trump. 
He got fired. The Atlantic magazine, that is like a mainstream publication. And so um, I saw the comments, well, you know, and I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, this is, this is a threat to democracy. And, um, and so I saw the comments about Ellie being angry. Fast forward to uh, Thursday, we had a gathering of all of the diversity and inclusion people, you know, through our organization, diversity, Twin Cities Diversity and Inclusion Roundtable. And you know what? I had a bunch of people coming up to me and saying, Ellie, we really liked what you said. We liked it that you were pounding the table. We liked it that you were not comfortable with just where things are. And so it made me feel good, okay? So I'm reading the evaluations. I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm one of those people, you, you know, you can have 15 great things said, but one thing that's not so great. Okay, guess what? I don't think about the, you know, the, the great things. I focus on the thing that, <laughs> that is the negative. Of course I do. Um, but it was really great to hear from people, and these were people of color that were saying, Ellie, we appreciated you pounding the table. You can hear me doing it right now. Because this is what has to be done in our country right now. We cannot let this thing take over. So, all right. Well, listen, we've got a show in the can, as they would say professionally. I want to thank my producer, David. David, you've done a great job. David, hang in there. And to my listeners, we didn't hear from anyone today. Uh, Okay, well, that's the way it goes. Uh, maybe all six of you who do listen to the show regularly, you got other things going on. I understand that. But then you've got the podcast you can come back to. Listen, all of you, I'll be back next week. I'll, and in the meantime, between now and then, will you do me a favor? Go out and do something to make the world better. Thanks so very much for tuning in. Take care and be well. <laughs>